Welcome to The Mentor's Voice, everyone. I'm Chris Mormon, and I am here with Christy Kramer. Hey, Chris. Well, we have a special episode today, don't we? We sure do. Yeah, we have an exciting part two episode of The Mentor's Voice. Last week, we shared part one with Larry Minix and Molly Wiley. And now we are back for the second half of their great conversation. Yes. And only the goat deserves a part two, don't you think? I do think so. Yeah. Because Larry Minix, I think anyone who's out there listening to this, who's uh, been around leading age for a little while, knows that Larry Minix is the goat. So um, Larry had so much wisdom to share. And he, if you ever listen to Larry in person, you know, he's got story after story and he is so entertaining and he's full of so much wisdom that we had to make sure that we had as much information to share with everyone. So we have this part two. So for those of you who didn't listen to part one, just a little recap. Not only is he the GOAT, but his official title is the past president and CEO of Leading Age. Um, He was there for 15 years, and then he retired. Prior to that, he was the CEO at Wesley Woods Center of Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. So Larry is very, very good at talking with Molly and putting on his Southern gentlemanness with Molly. And uh, it's a great episode. So Listen and enjoy this one with Molly and Larry. Yeah, it is great. I love what you're saying about the wisdom. The other W is probably the wit. So Larry certainly brings the wisdom and the wit. Um, So enjoy episode two, part two of the interview with Larry and Molly. Now you mentioned, I know that you were mentioning about the putting green and the innovation and sensitivity and creativity. And that ties in with a question I have for you, which is what do you think makes a good senior living community? Uh, it all starts with the, uh, the relationships. I tell people, uh, if you're exploring one, here's what you look for. Um, you look for is the CEO and the chief nurse and the chief doctor who are they and are they available um, and um, visible? Second, walk around and look at the quality of the interaction between the staff and the residents. And if their family's there, observe the interaction. Um, and um, uh, look for uh, an ant farm. Look for something that's just busy as hell. There's stuff all over and people are going hither, thither, and yon, and it's, it's uh, good places run like a Montessori school. It's well-organized chaos. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, uh, do people greet you? Are they open to saying, well, here's our inspection history, or <coughs> sure, we show you the audit. or Transparency. Yep, and um, look at who's on their board of directors. Um because that's who's ultimately accountable for what's going on. And finally, look for, um, does it smell like fried chicken or does it smell like urine and Clorox? I need to go to the South, I think. I think this is what you're telling me. Urine and Clorox. The Clorox is not a good thing. Yeah. Urine's certainly not a good thing. But the Clorox means somebody's just having to clean it up uh, with harsh chemicals. Or is it fried chicken? And um, 
Those are the telltale signs. Then go look at the inspection record. Um, and uh, they uh, five-star or four-star, all that is is uh, not particularly well-conceived, but it is. We've got it, and we're going to have to deal with it. I remember when they implemented that, and it was a, out of vengeance on the part of a high-level official at CMS whose wife had a bad experience with a nursing home, and suddenly we had five-star. That wasn't based on any science at all. But uh, as they say in southern France, c'est la vie. That's what the government does for you. So uh, that's a good one. And, I, uh, and, and, and it's culture. That, that all gives you indication of the culture of the place. Um, and if, if you see, uh, I've been in a lot of places that have beautiful lobbies and uh, a welcoming port share. Doesn't mean a damn thing. But look at if there's a guard at the security gate. Uh, does he treat you like you, when you're pulling in? Does he treat you like you're as long lost? Whatever does he say? Come on in. <laughs> Switchboard operators, quote unquote. Receptionists that let you stand at the counter. They don't look up because they're on their computer. Yeah. It all matters. All, the all matters. Yeah. And if I'm seeing that, why isn't the CEO seeing that? Um, I walked into one place. <coughs> one time I was a little early. And um young woman behind the desk, um, I introduced myself. I'm here to see your CEO. She says, I'll tell him you're here. And um, so I'm leaning against the um, at the counter. And I said, uh, so what what's your what's your job what do you do here and uh how did you get here and she said um i expected her to say well i'm receptionist or operator or whatever she said oh i'm the concierge i said concierge now there's an interesting concept so what does a concierge do and she said if the residents call down and drop by and they need something it's my job to get it. And she said, I said, wow, that's transformation. And that's a whole culture, a hospitality culture. Yeah. You're looking for hospitality. That's a great, that's a great takeaway. You're looking for hospitality. And I think it's really not, like you have, when you recommended that I take a look at communities that are doing things right, that have programs that are, you know, making a difference and little, little programs that maybe are not on a national level, but are just at a local level, level doing things. Just the little things. Yeah. And focusing on the things that are going right, because I think a lot of times, especially in research, we focus on the problems. Okay. Let's measure that problem. How big is it? Maybe how do we solve it? But not as much on what's going right. What programs are really working? You know, um, early in my career, a resident taught me about the little things. Um, and um, she was a chronic complainer. And um, she was mad because the toaster wasn't working. And um, I'd gotten that complaint and, you know, I'm in, I'm not paying attention to the toaster. Um, and the truth is our food service manager should have replaced the toaster. But he didn't. And uh, so one day, so, name's lady was Ruth. And one day, 
she just knocked on my door and opened it and came in. And I'm sitting behind my desk, and she took a piece of toast and just tossed it right in the middle of my desk, and it fell apart in a million burnt pieces. And she says, I've been trying to tell you the toaster doesn't work. And uh, I said, oh, I, well, I see that now. She says, young fella, don't ever forget, it's the little things. She closed the door and marched out. Our listeners should not forget the little things. This little is, things. Take this as burnt toast on your desk, everyone. This is, it's coming for you too. And think about the little things that you're looking for Yeah. Um, in your life. And when they go away, um, you're missing yeah. uh, something. But it's always the little things. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you a question now that's more personal. And I'm, I'm going <clears> to <throat> d- directly quote you. In a, a podcast you had done, Discover Your Talent podcast, you said you, that one way to view aging is a series of stages, ages, gains, and new opportunities. So what stage would you say you're in now, and what are some new opportunities you're looking forward to? This is based on um, Ericksonian psychology. Eric Erickson, probably the premier psychologist of the last century, and he came up with what's called the eight ages of man. The language sex is then, but eight ages of human growth mm-hmm. is what it ought to be. And um, <clears throat> there are eight of those starting with infancy. And um, an infant needs to solve the conflict in themselves of trust versus mistrust. You learn to trust your environment, and you see kids that do that, and those that learn to distrust their environment are often troubled. Fast forward to the last two phases of life, and uh, one is the phase I'm in right now, uh, which is um, generativity versus stagnation. Mm -hmm. So there comes a time, and I tell my colleague friends this, you need to get out at the top of your game. Turn it over to somebody else. Look at baseball players. They want to hang on two or three more years, and somebody's got a 300 batting average, uh, three years later, he's got a 270 batting average because he stayed on too long. <clears throat> now, um, I say to people, um, retire at the top of your game. Um, give your board six months' notice, year maybe. Um, let them recruit for a successful, um, and then get the hell out of the way. <clears throat> now, once you hit that, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I could have – 20, 30% of my life still in front of me. And um, so am I going to stagnate as an older man that's 70, or am I going to generate something? Well, I believe you retire, you rest, and then you re-engage in some way. Give yourself some time. Um, And so my... um, generativity uh first i wrote a book and that that was a lot of fun um and um, i'm proud of it and it got the stories out of my head and on paper and then i did some consulting and i'm serving on um two boards that that i carefully um i turned down some board things but there were two boards that i felt particularly compelled to be part of and um 
And then I do things like this when people like you uh, call me. And then I got grandchildren. And you find that uh, grandchildren are a whole different um, uh, calling and occupation. So uh, I don't feel like I'm stagnating. I feel like I'm generating. But it's not like I used to. Yeah. Um, the last phase of life is ego integrity versus despair. And that's where older people, before they die, have to decide in themselves, has my life been worth living or not? And the the complainers that you see have basically decided it isn't, so they complain about it. And they're, they probably don't have oftentimes good family relations either. And uh, they die unhappy and, pe and they uh, infect the next two generations on how unhappy they were. <clears throat> My wife and I were on a cruise and uh, next to us in the, in, the, in the dining hall, dining room, was this what was four or five generational family, about 20, 25 of them. And the matriarch looked like she was every bit of 90 or 95. <clears throat> and um, a grandson, I presumed a grandson, looked like mid-20s. They announced that the buses were lining up for the various tours of the day. And everybody gets up at the table except this grandson and the old lady. And uh, he says, well, Grandma, uh, I know this was his day in the barrel. Um, he says, Grandma, how you doing? She says, well, my leg sores are not festering nearly as bad today as they have been. And I'm thinking, you know, I want to hear about her festering egg, uh, <laughs> leg sores over my scrambled egg. <clears throat> but she could have answered that in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. But it was all about her festering sores. And uh, I'm sure this guy wants in the will, or he's been told you got to tend to grandma today. But um, uh, that's a sad but funny answer. So um, people have to decide: Is it been because life's got ups and downs, uh, losses and gains, and uh, they got to come to grips with? Because um, uh, uh, in the end of the day. What I've discovered is that we all want, as we get old and die, <clears throat> and what families want is they want to be able to look themselves in the mirror and families and say, you know, we have no regrets. And uh, older people want to say, it's been good and I love y'all. That needs to be the last thing on somebody's lips when they talk to their family. I love y'all because if you don't wake up tomorrow, that's what they'll remember. You know, the last thing she said to us, <clears throat> it doesn't need to be, you cheated me out of my money, or I don't know why you hated me so long, or I don't know why you married that guy that never uh, says a nice thing to me, or I don't know why your grandson went to prison. I didn't raise you that way, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyhow, that's, you asked me what time it was, and I told you how to build a watch. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, but that's what I mean by that. And I think part of our job in the senior living community, uh, our job is to help people answer that question. Um, my life is worthwhile now, even though I can't do the things I used to do, but my life has been worth living. And here I've made new friends. 
Uh, I've patched things up with some people. You'll you'll never patch. They're poisonous people in your life. Get rid of them. You never can fix it. Um, I, my my late grandmother, my father's mother, and my mother didn't get along. And when my grandmother was dying, their family said, "Oh, you got to help patch up." And I, I said, "No, no. God will patch that up in the next life if Not He wants your job. to." But we ain't doing it here today, yeah. uh, or I'll never speak to any of you again. And uh, uh, so yeah, you, you got to um, uh, you got to keep poisonous people out of your life. Yeah. Now I think we've probably gotten a little taste of some of the stories or insights in your book, which give which <laughs> yeah, talks about how to age there. successfully. And I didn't know if maybe you had a token or two of wisdom about how to age successfully. How do we do it? What does it look like? Um, maybe keeping a little mischief in our lives, as you <laughs> mentioned in the beginning. Well, there needs to be some mischief, but I, I get up every day. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, I have to talk, take the dogs out to. This is my, this is my morning at 4:45. Uh, our our uh, smallest dog, our youngest dog, starts whimpering. It's time to pee. So I have to get up and take the dog. My dog, my my dog duty, is the night shift. My wife. So I get up every morning about four five forty five for our dogs to pee, and then I make a pot of coffee, and I go turn on way too early, <clears throat> and then morning Joe, and then I wake my wife up, and we feed the dogs, and then we say, well, what are you doing today, and what are you doing today, and uh, we kind of go over what each other's doing. And then at 12 noon, we reconvene for lunch. And most of the time, she either cooks me a grilled cheese sandwich or I cook her one. And then in the afternoon, we take a nap. And then we go pick up our granddaughters at um, uh, preschool. And uh, uh, then we feed the dogs. And then we go watch our evening TV shows. And if I've had a board meeting during that day, well, that's great. And then uh, all of a sudden, you say to yourself, this has been a good day. So um, take it every day at a time, every little incident. I, I just thoroughly enjoy taking our granddaughters to preschool. We pick them up every morning so that their mother, who's just had our, thir our third granddaughter, she can sleep in, and my son can um, get a head start on his day. <clears throat> and these little girls teach us lessons in life. Um, that um, just knocked my socks off. Lucinda, our uh, six-year-old now, she was about four and a half at the time. I'm taking her to school and she's uncharacteristically quiet. And I keep something silly going on all the time. You know, when, I they, can were tell. Little, when they were little and three, I'd say, what does the cow say? And they go, moo. I said, no, no. The cow goes, the cow goes, oink, 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 oink. No, pop, pop, the cow did So you got some, and then I teach them languages. Um, like you add ski to everything for Russian. Now this is not politically correct anymore at all, but I uh, teach them languages. <laughs> and one morning, um, Lucinda got quiet, and unusually so, and I thought, well, she got something on her little mind that's bothering her, and um, she'll eventually tell me. And uh, she finally said, pop, pop. I said, what is it, sweetie? She said, 
You're just not very funny. <laughs> and I said, you know, you know, sweetie, you're you're not the first one to tell me that, but I try. <laughs> I, re I really try. <laughs> so uh, my point is it's the, it's, it's being, uh, finding pleasure in the little things in life mm -hmm. that uh, uh, connect you to the people that are special to you. <clears throat> and I find myself not wanting to connect with people that are not special to me. Mm -hmm. So I decline phone calls and some emails I don't respond to. And some I'm not a golfer or whatever, you know. <clears throat> but um, it's uh, find the pleasure in the little things. And as the big things come up, um, uh, you can enjoy them even more. And it's new big things, um, like um, uh, uh, a vacation uh, with the grandkids that you didn't know you could have instead of a cruise down the Rhine. So anyhow, every day's a gift. Yeah. Well, I, I think I might disagree with Lucinda. I think you're pretty damn funny. Well, and thank we're here you. Laughing. Would you document that? <laughs> it's on record. So okay. when she gets a little older, she can she or can I'll, listen. I'll in. tell you another thing she told me recently, and her little sister, who's four now, and is really impish, the little sister. <clears throat> she's gonna be a handful. Um, she got quiet again. I said something's on your mind, and she said, "Pop, pop, can you just be quiet sometimes?" <laughs> And I said, you know, I have a hard time with that, sweetie. I've had other people tell me that, <laughs> that I talk too much, but I'll try. She says, please. <laughs> we got to have them on next. Maybe oh, that'll man. be our next episode. Oh, that would be so much fun if they yeah. they'd participate. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank I'm you so, all for I'm what so you do. I'm so comfortable. My shoes are off. I'm just like really enjoying my time here so much. Well, are you getting that toe fungus treated? I think can't stand these toe fungus. <laughs> I don't think so. And they show these toe fungus things along with hemorrhoid treatment and other things <clears throat> during the times that people my age are watching. And uh, if you got toe fungus, it's not, it's not very. Wow. Is this going to be televised? Yeah. The, thank you for adding that to the record. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And, but that's uh, a good way to end, toe fungus. Toe, toe fungus. Get your toe <laughs> fungus treated. That is the moral of this interview. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Larry. Molly, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, what a great second episode with Larry and Molly. Always fantastic to have, you know, someone that has been involved in the aging services community for such a long time. Um, Larry certainly has fantastic stories, like we said, that wisdom and that wit. Um, just listening to him, I was laughing super hard. He always makes me smile. Great stories, but he's got so much insight. So appreciate you all listening to the second episode. And as always, we want to hear a little bit more about what's happening in general in the world of leading age. So Christy, what do we got going on right now? Well, of course, we have the annual meeting in preparation in the works for Chicago in November 5th through 8th. So that is a save the date for everyone who's listening. Save that date. You'll get to see Chris and I. You'll get to do some mentors voice fun things as well as we have the student program. So if your students 
check it out. If you are uh, professionals in the field and want to help us out with the student program, please let me know. But definitely save that date so you have it on your calendar. Um, and I also want to do a quick shout out, Chris, to all of our interns out there. It is the summertime. We have the summer enrichment program in full swing and they well going to be in full swing, actually. Uh, and they are uh, really excited for their opportunity to be working in aging services. So big shout out to them. And we're wishing all the interns out there a wonderful summer. Yeah. Shout out interns and shout out to you for all the hard work that you put in to make that program possible for them. I know that you've asked me to participate in some things and reaching out to some other people. So it's going to be an exciting summer for them for sure. And I, I'm really excited for Leading Age Annual. If you were with us last year at Leading Age Annual, we were in Denver. We had a really great booth set up to reflect the outdoors and kind of went with the outdoor camping motif um, just to reflect Denver. So we're excited. We've got some good things planned. Uh, we're going to be in Chicago. So we're going to switch up the Mentors Voice theme for our booth this year as well. So definitely um, excited to be sharing that. And as always, just big thanks to everyone for listening. We appreciate it. We've got a new website, uh, www.mentorsvoice.com. And you can connect with us on social media there. Also find out what else is happening in the world of Mentors Voice and Leading Age. And as always, um, you can share the link so other people can listen to this podcast and support the good work that we're doing in connecting students, young professionals with all of the leaders in our field in aging services. Really thankful um, to be able to do that. So remember, your voice can make a difference. 